This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network, and you can learn more when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Today, my guest is Leslie Bailey. She is the founder of Indie Maven, which is just the coolest digital media platform that offers lifestyle content to delight an audience of highly engaged, badass women in the greater Indianapolis area. So I met Leslie when I lived in Indianapolis, and we like to say Indianapolis is a very large, but very connected big city. And it's really easy to get to know people there. I think my relationship with Leslie started on Twitter of all things, but she is a force to be reckoned with, not just in Indianapolis, but as a woman in business in general. She had a vision and she went all in with it. I've been blown away with all that she's done with Indie Maven and the new Maven space, which is a co-working space in Indianapolis that she created. Leslie is a seasoned writer, editor, and media consultant. Before launching Indie Maven, she was the managing editor for AAA Crossroads Magazine, lifestyle editor for Indianapolis Monthly, and a reporter for the Indianapolis Star. Leslie has two sons, a stepson. She loves cooking, reading, and organizing, and she has some really awesome advice on the way she thinks about managing her life with work and family and all the things. I love what she had to say about that specifically, and I think you will too. You can learn more about Leslie when you go to IndieMaven.com and click on our team. There's a tab that's all about her there. If you do enjoy this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review so that potential new listeners can find us. And I truly hope you enjoy this conversation with Leslie Bailey. All right, friends. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Leslie Bailey on the show. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Hi, thank you. So excited to have you. And y'all, we have to start off by just saying, like, Leslie really did me some solids. Like, in the beginning of Indie Maven, she highlighted this podcast right when it was starting and just was really generous with um, sharing what I'm doing over here in her space. So let's just start off by thanking you for that, Leslie. Oh, you're so welcome. Of course. Um, Okay. So this is fun because I've moved to Raleigh in the last two years, but Leslie and I know each other from Indianapolis and she is the founder of Indie Maven, which man, when you launched Indie Maven, I was like, this is amazing and sounds like a huge undertaking. (laughs) (laughs) At least you knew. I didn't know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was just like, I see it. I see what this can be and how cool this can be. And I also know how much work is going to go into the behind the scenes and promoting it and all the things. I mean, I don't know because I didn't do it, but I just had this hunch. (laughs) I'm glad I was ignorant to that. I mean, I saw like (laughs) the short version of it. I did not see, you know, where it is today, of course. Um, But I'm glad because otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have been too scared. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Though with like anything in life, if you would have known how hard it was, what more would you not have done? I think I would have just been so much more scared, right? Like I was able to, I felt 
like I could take these leaps because I just didn't know what was on the, on the other side. And now I know. And I'm like, oh, well, that, that was a choice. <laughs> well, okay. Give us a brief history about, we'll, we'll dive into Indie Maven, but what were you doing before Indie Maven? My background was journalism. So I was a columnist for the Indianapolis Star for a couple of years. And then I was lifestyle editor at Indie Monthly. So I worked in newspapers, magazines, online, the digital space. Um, I had started out as a blogger way back in the day. Um, And so after my first son was born, he was about a year old, I was like ready to get back to work, um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, or I didn't want to go back to places I had already been. And it just felt like, I think a lot of sort of maybe new moms who are lean in the creative side, have I've heard say this, but that just feels like a time of creativity and like rebirth, <laughs> no pun intended. And so I was like, well, let's just, you know, try something on our own. So kind of had the idea in like April and launched Indie Maven in October of 2019. So, okay. Explain exactly what Indie Maven is. Yes. Yeah. So it's a media platform. So we have um, we have freelance journalists and a team of journalists that we work with to create content. And we have a free weekly newsletter that goes out every Thursday. Um, We obviously have all the social platforms and we um, were designed to have in-person events early on. And of course, quickly because of COVID switched to um, virtual. But then it sort of evolved and well right because we launched five months later was COVID so very quickly evolved and then um, last year I opened Maven Space which is a co-working space um, and an event venue in downtown Indianapolis and last month I started the process of merging these two businesses to be under one brand of Maven Space. That's amazing. Um, Why do you think this like creativity happens after becoming moms because I feel the same way it's like I wanted I mean because I started my podcast shortly after my second was born or at least I started really thinking about it right after he was born and it's like yeah I didn't want to go work for someone else because I one I wanted a lot of freedom to be available but two I did I had this like creativity in me that was like I want to like I want to put that somewhere besides my kids. Right? I want it for me. Yeah. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on like why that happens after we become moms. I think like the, the first thing that comes to mind is the, is the amount of time that you just sit, right? You're mm. feeding a baby, whether you're bottle nursing, whatever, you're just sitting at two in the morning, right? And I mean, yeah, for sure you zone out on Netflix or school or whatever, but it also, you just, I feel like you find yourself like a lot of time just sitting in the dark and thinking and, Mm. or zoning out and thinking. And I think it's, you know, your body's on like such power save when you have a newborn baby and that like lack of sleep I think kind of turns you into this, like, you zone out a lot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even I was just with a friend who's a, just had her second brand new baby. I mean, the amount of times, right, as a new mom, you lose your train of thought and the conversation. Oh and I would just, <laughs> I just remember that so clearly. It's like you're zoning out without even intentionally zoning out. So I think you take that time where you're zoning out, um, but you're also, you know, I don't know if it's hormones or what, but you're just, I think everything's heightened, right? Um I don't know if it just makes you feel brave or that you can, and and also it's the hardest thing ever. So you now have proof. You're like, well, I'm doing this. What could be harder than this? What could be scarier than this? Um, So I think by comparison, everything seems doable because you're doing the hardest thing. No, that's so true because it's the hardest thing. Although I will say I laughed so much because... 
do you remember um, Rihanna had all this like Super Bowl interviews right. and she had this one quote that came out that was like, after becoming a mom, I feel like I can do anything or blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, really? I don't feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget I forget her exact quote, but I was also thinking, I don't know, Rihanna, you probably have a lot of help. <laughs> yes. And there are definitely those moments at, at like in the middle of it. No, of course you feel like you can't do anything. You're like, I can't even yeah. take a shower, let alone like go start a business. But then when you, I think we, if you have that moment to There's be able, time. you know, the privilege or a moment to be able to sit back and reflect, you're like, wow. I, that was big. I did that. And yeah. I think it also kind of can create a sense of confidence later, not in the moment. Definitely not in the moment. It didn't feel that way in the moment. No, no, no. Um, but talk about being a creative and also an entrepreneur while having little kids because it can feel overwhelming. And also, like, I don't know, a lot of times since I run my own business, I feel like my husband's job will take the priority if something needs to happen. Sure. And and then you get that feeling of not necessarily resentment to your partner, but just resentment that like, oh, of course, this is what has to go. And it can be really frustrating. Do you feel that sometimes? Well, I think there are two parts, two, two parts to that answer. So the first part was I chose recently to focus on the lessons and the parallels between being a parent and an entrepreneur because for the longest time I was just like how do you do both they're so separate they're so different and and it's like I'm juggling these two very different things at the same time but the more I thought about it I'm like there I'm learning so much of the same lessons I can apply so many of the same quote-unquote rules practices and so now I'm kind of trying to let them feed off of each other like let them live together and coexist versus trying to be like this is in this bucket and this is in this bucket and they're totally different things and I'm trying to quote unquote balance the two where I'm like "Mm, maybe we'll just all swim in the same pool and that sounds a lot easier and a lot more fun so that's kind of the the new approach that I'm taking which I seriously have just felt like has brought a greater sense of peace than instead of having this like internal battle and conflict Um, And then the other part, you know, I very much experienced that with my husband, too. I was fortunate that my husband recently decided to start his own little, like, side hustle creative project. And wow, was that validating to have him come back. (laughs) It's also a website. Um, It's called Podium Life. Shout out. It's a a racing lifestyle website. So very similar, right, to the Like racing, what do you mean? Like So so automotive racing. So we both came from a background of IndyCar racing with our families. That's how we met. And awesome. And so, you know, watching him go through all the same things, he's like, do you know how hard it is to get merch, to get good merch? And do you know how, you know, to get web views and all these things? I'm like, yeah, yes, I do. Why, yes, I do. I have been living that life for the last four years. And so I think that brought a new appreciation, at least to what I do, um, which does it make it so that, I mean, he's still the breadwinner in our family for sure. And so, yes, like that always has to take rank. But I, I do feel like there was a greater understanding and appreciation for maybe what I've been doing the last couple of years that wasn't, not that he didn't appreciate it, but he just didn't know because he hadn't experienced it firsthand. For a long time, I was like, I'm going to creep in on that breadwinner status. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, the company, so that insurance and the equity and all the other things that come with it, even if the salaries end up lining up. There's so much more to it. When you work for yourself, you don't have all that. 
Yeah. And, you know, that can also create a different shift in the dynamic of your relationship, too. Um, Kathy Heller, I don't know if you know her. She's a podcast host. Oh, yeah. 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 I actually just went to a retreat of hers. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I was there down in Florida. And um, she was talking about the dynamics when she became the primary breadwinner and the moneymaker in her family. And that was like a challenge in that shift, right? And that's coming from, from what she reports to be a man who's like, very into equality and all these things, but it was still a struggle in the relationship. So, you know, maybe be careful what you wish for, but yeah, <laughs> we've, we are definitely constantly actively working towards an equitable partnership as far as parenting and for sure. marriage. For sure. I don't know. I think my husband would be like, yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> my husband's told, said in an interview, I think maybe on the front of like on a stage, maybe in front of people that one of his dreams was to come work for me. I love that. I mean, that is my dream that if that could happen like, here. Yes. But yeah. I am already your boss. No, just <laughs> I just like, I think that for me, I'm not willing to get enough childcare and help to like take that next step to make it as big as it could be. And I don't know why I do that. I don't know if I do that mm-hmm. because I want more control over like being with my kids more or if it's like, whoo, I know how much more work that would be and I don't want to spend that much time away from them and also like the risk of what if it fails, you know? Oh, for sure. That's, I mean, that's, scary. that's why I started my second company as a separate company because uh, I realized I was so afraid of it failing and that I didn't want to take the first successful quote unquote one down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but now looking back, I'm having to do more work and I am bringing them together. And I realize it's never actually going to be as successful as I want it to be if I keep it separate and I have that fear. So um, that was definitely a mental shift for me. Um, and then I will say, just having gone through this, the the whole growth, right, that we scaling and all of that. Um, you know, you get further and further away from the thing you love, like the craft you love. When I speak to entrepreneurs or people doing startup side hustle, whatever, like the first thing I say is like, okay, so you love making soap. Great. If you want to keep making soap, don't grow. Like stay where yeah. you stay where you are. Honestly, like, yeah, there there is not a there are very few professions that after that person starts a company and it scales, that they're doing the thing they loved doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's I think so like Sarah hard. Blakely maybe is a good example, right? Because the thing she loved was sales. The thing mm-hmm. she loved was not Spanx. She just loved selling the good idea that she had. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the thing that people maybe underestimate. You know, I don't, I love writing. I don't ever get to write or maybe marketing, but I don't get to write a lot of, so I'm now trying to f- close to, you know, four years in, figure out how can I get back to doing some of the things that were the things I loved doing when I started because Mm. the managing humans, no, no, thank you. (laughs) I do it. I love the people that I work with, but it's like being a a leader is not Uh the thing I got into business to do, but you do. That's exactly what happens. So Maven space is a co-working space for women. Correct. Yes. Give me more details on that. Yeah, so during COVID, when we first asked the Indie Maven audience, you know, what do you want this to be? Because now we're not sure. And what does this look like? The answer was just like, I want to meet other women, connect with other women, be with other women, support other women. 
And um, we obviously had ways to do that digitally, virtually and all those things. But I was thinking ahead to like, what does a post-COVID world look like? And at that same time was hearing, you know, women were starting to leave their jobs before we, we even were talking about a great resignation. And I actually heard on um, Rachel Rogers' podcast, um, her book, The uh, so we should all be millionaires. She had a, a trademark attorney on and said the highest number of trademarks ever were filed by women that summer. And they were staying in the trademark system longer. And it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, women are starting businesses. Mm. They for they either have to leave their current profession, they want to, what for whatever reason, they're just shifting their roles, they're starting businesses, they're filing trademarks, they, they're saying they want to be together. And I had seen spaces like this popping up all around the country and thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, Indianapolis had that? And I felt like I was the right person to at least try to do it. So I love it. Okay. So yeah, let's tell everybody like Indianapolis is such a small, big city. I feel like (laughs) you get in the know and like everybody knows everybody. And I've actually struggled with that a little bit here in Raleigh. I think part of it is that when I moved here, I wasn't a so-called young yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Like I'm not a young professional anymore. Yeah. I'm not like out trying to network and things like that. I kind of like run my own stay-at-home business and um I don't even know what the young professional scene here is anyway. It's it's yeah. a much different city. Um but Indianapolis I think is unique in that sense, wouldn't yeah. you say? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's the 14th largest city in the country, but you would never know it. It feels like the smallest town in so yeah. many ways, good and bad. Um, but interesting, we have so many young professionals just out of college who come and get memberships at Maven Space because even that landscape of how young professionals are networking, that's changed, right? As mm. as if you think about it, if you graduated two years ago, like you may or may not have even been to a networking event at this point. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, bars certainly weren't the thing. Right. So like where they're, they're at this place of like, well, where do I go to meet people? And I don't have a mentor because I'm not going into a workplace because I'm the only person in my company that even lives in this state. So I, li- I have no idea how to meet anyone. Even my classes were virtual, you know, at the end. So that is one of the reasons that some of our members come is just so they can see people, um, like literally just see other humans, but slash maybe then network and build a community that they don't have. All right, friends, I want to thank 2B4 for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This is a unique pre-workout that is made up of blackcurrant berries grown in New Zealand that contain high levels of antioxidants called anthocyanins. Blackcurrant anthocyanins are science-backed and benefit-packed. Blackcurrant berries improve your endurance, they kickstart your recovery, and they strengthen your immunity. You can drink it daily 30 to 45 minutes before you work out. I just mix it up with water and take it before a workout. I am loving it. 2B4 is offering an exclusive limited time offer to our listeners. Big discount here, 30%. Nobody does 30%. 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping when you use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout. Just go to 2before.com. That's the number two before.com and use the code Lindsay. How do you compete? And maybe this is the wrong word. So you... Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, with like industrious and other co-working oh. spaces that have been around. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that we are both co-working spaces, sure. Um, but 
they have a lot of individual private offices. We do have private spaces, but we have more of an open floor plan and we have a lot of amenities. So we have an actual mother's room, like with a mini fridge and a sewing machine and it locks. It's not a closet. Um, Like you could put your baby down for a nap in there? Well, you know, you go pump. I mean, you could if oh, you, you go pump babies, but like for, for <laughs> well, pumping, I just heard sound machine. Yeah. I was like, oh, sound well, machine. a lot of people like the, the one of the complaints like people say in their offices is like you can hear my pump in the storage the storage closet I'm sitting in. So, Got it. just having dedicated spaces, we have a full gym on site. Uh, we have an on-site cafe um, as well. We have a lending library. So the idea is that like we're Love looking that. at the holistic person who comes into the space and men, non-gender conforming, all, everyone's allowed, but but with the idea that you are on board with the mission to uplift women for all okay. the reasons that women need uplifting, which we can go into if we need, but you know, yes. like people know many of those. Um, so just having the amenities, but then, you know, with say an industrious having like your very private offices, I mean, you're there to have an office and you may yeah. or may not see people and you may do a little happy hour. Um, but it's a very different in the sense that we have a true community that is built. That is a very strong, strong community. I love that you have a gym. Of yes. course. Um, I remember when Sandy, my youngest, was born, I was a member, member of Hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was in India, I'd probably join Indie Maven, Aww. the Maven space. Um, but I specifically remember sitting in at the Hatch, feeding him. I wasn't breastfeeding because I didn't breastfeed him. I was feeding him with the bottle. But he was probably like two weeks old. And I remember Sarah Holsapple walked in and she goes, has anybody documented this for you yet? And I was like, No. She's like, can I take a picture? (laughs) And I just love that she thought to do that because I was just like sitting there feeding my baby, working in this like open concept co-working space. I didn't feel uncomfortable bringing my newborn with me. Obviously, I wasn't going to let him like cry and like disrupt everybody. Um, But yeah, I think that's also like a unique thing about 2023, right? Like it's not so strange to just like tote your baby around with you. Yeah. And I would say typically from other women too, right? Like having other that, women. yeah, yeah. Women think about those things like, oh, photographing this moment, right? Yes. <laughs> the whole trope about moms not having photos of themselves. I've seen you talk That's about right. that before. That's right. Well, when I did that too, I remember I was like, I wanted to get out of the house and work a little bit and I had a babysitter for my other kids, but I was like, I'm not going to leave him here. No, the brand new. Right out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but I liked my job and I wanted to keep, keep sure. checking along, so... Um, I love that. Okay. So what does it look like combining the two, the Maven space and then the publication piece, the newsletter piece and all that you're doing with Indie Maven? Well, essentially like Indie Maven had a membership component to it. Yeah. And then when we launched Maven space, obviously that's, that's a membership based co-working space. So we were, it was confusing to have, well, you're a member over here, but you're not a member over here. So what we've done is made it so everyone is now a Maven space member. And what was the Indie Maven membership is essentially a digital membership in the Maven space. So even if you don't live here, you could still join the digital membership and still network. There's a member directory, so you can search different people and industries. Um, There's forums where you can connect with other women. Um, There are same things like the perks with local businesses, but really a true platform, a community-based platform where you can go. You don't have to log in through Facebook or social or whatever. Um, so that kind of, it's all under one umbrella. All the events now are under Maven space. So Indie Maven will remain a 
website and a newsletter from the editorial perspective. And that is all Indie Maven will do. And everything else then is housed under Maven space. And so Indie Maven as a content studio, I guess you could say, goes under the Maven space brand. So like I've tried to kind of look for a similar group like this here in Raleigh. And I haven't been so successful. The one thing I found is called the Women's Social Club, which have you seen about this? Because Mm -hmm. it's like, they're popping up everywhere now. They're popping up in all these different cities. I wonder if they're trying to pop up in Indy. But anyway, I saw that. And then um, there's one called Thrive Motherhood. And I think that kind of, I think it feels more geared towards stay-at-home mom, work-from-home mom crowd, whereas the Women's Social Club is, like, not mom-focused at all. It's mm-hmm. I think you would consider it more indie Maven-ish, where it's, like, right. the woman as a whole outside of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, I think that it's hard to plug in and find, mm. like, your spot. And city to city, you're going to find different groups. But, like, which is the group for you and and whatnot? Um, if someone were living in Indy, like, what would sell them to want to be a part of it? For sure. I mean, it's the connections and the networking. Um, and I don't – when I say networking, I definitely don't mean in the st- – stuffy like corporate way and like the, I'm always trying to do business yeah yeah it's it's definitely more of a social networking um but it's it's for sure the community like I one of my most my favorite stories was I was um at Maven Space and there was a woman who I'm friends with sitting there and I introduced her to this other woman and like long story short turns out that they were neighbors that in a oh. city that's like 30 minutes away from downtown Indianapolis like so much so that they could walk to each other's houses they ended up meeting up having wine at one of their houses ended up doing business together also like and had they not just both been sitting there in that place and I love like every time I walk into Maven space there's somebody who's introducing someone to someone else and it just really creates this strong strong chain um, that, and you know, when, when there's a call out and somebody looking for something in one of our private member groups, I mean, these women are on it, right? Like you need a tree taken down. Here are seven very specific personal recommendations, which I now, I use all the time. I literally have someone coming and taking a tree down in two weeks because I went through that group, found the recommendation, found the person that came out, found a woman owned business was excellent. Um, and so it's just, it's that trust, it's that trust part, right? Because, you know, these are like like-minded women. They they have now gone through that experience. I can trust them. It's not the same as, you know, Googling something. That's great. And, you know, I love Yelp, et cetera. But like to be able to then also have that person and go, oh, but I know her. She's friends of a friend or I just met her through this. And I'm going to see her again because now I'm going to see her at the next event. And I'm going to run into her at the space. And then I'm going to see her in the private Facebook group. Um, so it just creates this like repetition, this opportunity for continued connection, not just like this one off. I talked to them once. I got their business card. May or may not follow up. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned two podcasts earlier, Kathy Heller and then was it Rachel Rogers? Mm-hmm. Okay, so and you're giving me vibes that you've listened to Donald Miller as well. I have. I've definitely listened. I've read lots of Donald Miller books. Okay, perfect. I was like, I just, I, <laughs> I just get this vibe. So here's my question. Yeah. I too went through. I went through lots of phases where I would listen to all these entrepreneur podcasts. Like yeah. I loved listening to How I Built This and right. Donald Miller. His group, like. I feel like is such they give very solid like easy to follow advice as well like mm-hmm. actionable items but I 
still have a really hard time following through. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, like when you listen to these shows and you pull that inspiration, like how do you then Ah. go make it happen? Yes. Interesting. Okay. So like marketing made simple, right? I love their host, JJ. I think he's adorable. Yeah, Yeah, I do too. I also, I listen to him, like I listen to podcasts on like one and one quarter or whatever, like the faster uh-huh. speed. 1.25 is kind of perfect. Because it's like laughing. 1.5 feels <laughs> At that speed. Oh yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So cute. I digress. So, um, so I will typically, so I just, I have a really good memory, annoying as that is. Like I just have a good memory, so I will retain things. And then if I sit down in my notebook, I will go back. Um, I will very much, like I have been known to 100% pull over if I'm listening to something in my car and grab my notes and write a note down. Like I actually was working on a new kind of one-liner from a Marketing Made Simple episode recently. Really? Um, I was like, I cannot forget this and I will not remember what part in the episode. And so I pulled over and I was like, wrote my notes down. And that has now been the thing I'm working off of um, as as we kind of build this new brand under one umbrella. The one-liner to describe the merge? Describe your business, essentially. Yeah. That every business should have a one-liner like, you know, my customer has this problem. And so mm-hmm. we are this that does this so that they can do this. And they have this mm-hmm. little formula. And I was like, oh, my God, that made it so simple. <laughs> and I didn't want to forget it. So I pulled over and did it. So, um, yeah, I just I, I tend to retain information, but I definitely always have my notes or notebook and I'm constantly jotting notes. And then the thing I have to really push myself to do, though, is go back and actually look at them. So I'll mm-hmm. kind of just go through sessions where I'm like, I'm in the mood to, you know, go through my notes and get my little mild liners out and highlight things and et cetera. Have you ever thought about joining their, um, their group? They've got like a class or they have a business coach or. Yes, I did like one of the free, or like I got a free thing and did a thing for a while and it was overwhelming. And I realized that the time I was like, I think like my second was maybe a newborn mm-hmm. at the time. And I was like, Oh no, not right now. I mean, that is definitely, I now know that if I am going to do someone's program or read the thing or do the thing or read the book like to be very realistic about what else is going on in my life and being able Mm -hmm. to say like I would love to do that but definitely not right now because I know that I won't follow through so I just have to be you gotta be ready to go to school yeah 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 but I love learning such a nerd listen to all the podcasts all the things it's one of the things that I find hard as an entrepreneur is deciding what to invest in right like I would love to do that, but I'm scared. I won't be ready enough to put in the work. And then, like, I had Heather Dixon on the show talking um, with Choice Media, and they have this really great, like, package that they do where they mm-hmm. kind of walk beside you. And But that upfront cost is pretty expensive, and it's, like, scary because I'm like, I think this will work, but do I trust myself to execute, you know? Yeah. Oh, 100%. And, and I'm now very wary about... I mean, I will, I'm a little bit of a, I don't know if I can say this, but like horror signing up for email. So I use my Gmail. My Gmail Uh is just a black hole of like Uh email things that I signed up for that I need to just probably get rid of that account. But I say that and like, I still don't have great self-control when it comes to like, yes, I'm going to do that free five-day course. And it goes to my Gmail, but I'm actually okay with that pattern because I'm not paying for anything. Now, for example, like Kathy Heller when um, they first, like I had shared a post and of course they came in, they're like, did you know we have this new program and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nope. It was such a hard no. Right away. I was like, mm. uh-uh, that is not for me. I don't want that. Interesting. And then what was interesting was then later I reshared another, months later maybe, an episode, this great episode 
on Instagram stories and they came back and they're like, we have this retreat. And right away I was like, yes, that is what I want. That is what I'm looking for. You don't want the for. course. I did you not want, want the, the course. Yes. I was like, give me the like three-day intensive <laughs> and in Florida at a resort. Yes, I will go do that. I, <laughs> and I needed that. And I did it like a day in the beginning and the day at the end for myself too. So I gave myself my own little personal retreat. But awesome. that was a realistic way. Now that was an investment, but so was the so are the other courses, right? And I just yep. know, like, I I learn better in person, um, and that was the the right decision for me. But yeah, it's definitely you have to have have to have some self restraint to not go down the rabbit hole of buying and paying all the things and doing all, all the, the courses. Things. And there's a new podcast ish this year called Scope Creep, okay. and they actually have a bunch of episodes where they talk about all the things that should be red flags um, when it comes to influencer marketing and the online marketing world and influencers. So like basically, right, we all see these women, I think often on this this private jet and like doing the whole like, I'm drinking my champagne because I sold my private company. And if you do this, you'll get that too. And the whole girl boss and the hustle and thing. Like make a million, make seven figures in yes. eight weeks. Right. And they actually go through and they even talk about like the phrases that are used and the things that are, that'll look for. So I also love that. I think there's this movement and Laura Belgrave, same thing. Like I just finished her book, Tough Titties last night. Um, nice. And I do feel like there's this movement, which is much more my jam. That is, I don't want to say authentic because that is the whole thing that everyone else was using and it wasn't, uh-huh. but I mean, really real, right? Like calling it yeah. as I see it. And yes, there are going to be a lot of people that are not going to like that, but like people are really like being taken advantage of. And so. hundred percent. I mean, it, it's very reminiscent. I don't know if reminiscent is the right word, but it reminds me a lot. And I'm sorry if anybody's a part of an MLM, but it reminds me a lot of MLM marketing because you are sold these like big hopes and dreams yeah. that you're going to be the next person that has a team of 300 people. And Which, like the, the way, reality is <laughs> like, <laughs> like 10 people. That's too much. Like, well, you're not going to make any money if you got oh. 10 people, Leslie. But oh, the reality yeah, is right. that no, like this no. percentage of people that get that far that actually are making money did you ever watch the podcast, The Dream, or no. listen to the podcast, no. The Dream? Huh. Well, it was all about MLMs, and I'm sure people that are part of them are like, I hate that, but man, it's um, it goes all the way back in the day to um, like the first one, which I forget what it was called, but then they talk about um, Mary Kay, of course, right. and what's the bag one, 21 or something? Oh, I don't know that one. Anyway, um, but Up yeah, all these- all, yes, all these like big promises. And I don't think that it's like this as much like with Beauty Counter, at least. No. You don't have to buy this like massive in- right. inventory at first. But like back in the day, I mean, my sister did this, my younger sister at one point. I think she had to spend like $2,000 and buy like all this Mary Kay. And then it's like, you know, these people aren't even making all their money back. And so anyway, yeah, those big promises is that reminds me of that a lot. Yeah. Stuff that I have to look, you know, steer, like, I think it's a lot of, and the more, I think the more you consume, I guess I'm a, a connoisseur. <laughs> like, yeah. I think the more you consume, the better you get at like, okay, no. That's BS. Not, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. How do you filter it out though? Because I mean, I also was on a Jenna Kutcher kick forever mm-hmm. and I was just like, I'm consuming so much that I feel like I'm consuming so much that I don't have time or like I'm not putting in the effort to like put out because yeah. I want to learn so much, but then I don't execute. So I kind of had to like walk away from podcasts like that for a while. 
Yeah, I am. I mean, I still have some of those in my feed for sure. Um, but I, I very rarely listen to those anymore. Um, I, I guess it was just trial and error, right? Like I know, I don't know. There's something different. Like when I listen to marketing made simple, I feel like I'm walking away with very tangible, Mm -hmm. like you said, like it's like one step, focus on this one thing and that's all you need to do. And like, sure, you can buy, you know, they'll, they'll mention a course, but it doesn't feel like there's this constant, it's like they stick with basically like their handful of products. I think what is overwhelming is like each person having their own new launch and constantly relaunching. And like the, if it feels like a machine, like mm-hmm. that is a flag for me. Like if it yeah. feels like they are just churning and churning and churning. And I'm like, I didn't even get to catch up on the last thing that you had. That's yeah. like, no. Like whereas, you know, I think, you know, just continuing to use like the Donner, Donald Miller example, like that's the same message that, that he has in every single book for forever. And like there are updates and things. But so I kind of look for the consistency. Mm-hmm. Um and I just don't want to constantly have people hawking things at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I've definitely – I think I just got sick of it. If I don't even think it was like, I'm setting a rule. I think I just like – at one point, you know, one turn an episode on, I was like, nope, skip. Nope. It's too nope. much. Yeah. Too yeah, much. It's too much. Too much. All right. Listen up. Lagoon Pillows. Oh, my goodness. They are back to sponsor the podcast. And let me just tell you, Lagoon is the best pillow I have ever laid my head on in my 39 and a half years of life. I have looked for good pillows for a very long time. And before Lagoon, I was settled on a higher quality pillow I got at Target. Uh, I I mean, I've tried Tempur-Pudic. I've tried other brands. And this is by far the best. I think because it's so customized. You fill out a two-minute sleep quiz, okay? And whether you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a belly sleeper, however you sleep, these pillows are incredible. I have the Otter. My husband, Glenn, has the Fox. They are so perfect when you lay your head on them. And listen, if you want a more firm pillow, they have those options. If you want a more soft pillow, they have those options. And they even send you the filling so you can fill your pillow as full or as little as you want. It is truly customizable and we all know that like sleep is so important if you are not sleeping well and the thing that you are laying your head on is contributing to not good sleep you need to fix it because we are all working really hard to pursue athletic goals and dreams and sleep is so important so listen go to lagoonsleep.com slash lindsay and use the code lindsay l-i-n-d-s-e-y to get 15 percent off your order And just then come thank me for changing your sleep life because Lagoon is amazing. All right, friends, back to the show. One thing I wanted to hit on with you, though, Leslie, is like walking away from that like hustle culture and um, constantly feeling like you always have to be productive. And do you have strategies for how you keep it like a fluid? Like I love how you talked about earlier your kids and your work all being in the same boat. Like, how do you do that? Well, my therapist said I'm very good at compartmentalizing, which I thought was a bad thing. And she actually said, no, it's a good thing. Because I can actually, like, turn off on the weekend. I I have have the ability, like, it just, it's how I am. I think it's just how I manage, yeah, for, for work. But, I mean, I think that 
through my life. It was a coping mechanism to compartmentalize, but now it actually works in my favor and that I can pretty much turn off on the weekend um, and not think about it and not stress. I can turn off at the end of the night. I don't have this like compulsion to constantly be checking my email. Like I'm very good at just drawing that line and, and falling through on those boundaries. Um, so that is very helpful. Um, and I don't know exactly how you like teach that, but I guess it's just, that is learning boundaries, right? That's like, mm-hmm. I am choosing to like put this in a box and I'm going to put that on a shelf and I am going to think about that on Monday because th- there's nothing I could do right now about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a big like brain, brain dump person. I like, I think like for me being organized is a big thing. So to throw one more podcast, like the lazy, <laughs> the lazy genius. I'm a huge fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kendra Adachi. Kendra Adachi. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I have probably listened to like, the majority of her podcast um, because it just, that that's soothing to me. Simplify like, things. Simplify and things going in their place. And if it doesn't have a place, then it's got to go. And like, I'll, I'll, when it, I was like, I didn't know other people did brain dumps the first time I heard her talk about a brain dump. So I was, if I feel overwhelmed, like it's, I'm doing a brain dump, I am grabbing a piece of paper and I am putting every single thing that Just is all on the my, thoughts in, in your my head. brain on that piece of paper. And then I go through. And highlight like what actually is important, cross off what isn't. I love crossing off a list. Um, but that'll like that exercise alone of just like get out of my brain. I cannot hold all this space in my brain. Um, and then I, I, it's, it's, it's truly like for me or just organization mm-hmm. and like making sure my husband and I are on the same page as far as our shared calendar. We do weekly meet we try and do like weekly meetings at a minimum we will sit down and look at our schedule for the week and just like who's picking the boys up who's dropping them off like making sure right my biggest fear is that there was somebody's gonna be left somewhere um, i think we've only messed it up like once so that's i say you won't be the first if that <laughs> yeah. the first parents if that ever happens yeah but like you know it's 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 systems it's just a lot of systems and organization which fortunately is a thing that i enjoy and like to do so Kind of I love the meetings, but we just don't do them. Like anytime someone says that, I'm like, that sounds amazing. And I'm all for it. My husband is all not for it. I want, I want to do a meeting where we have goals for the week, what we're <laughs> excited about, all the things. And then on Sunday morning, sometimes I'll be like, what are your hopes and dreams for the day? And he's like, uh, I'm going to go for a run. I might take a nap. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I just like have this like dreamer mentality and I he's just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm just going to like, you know, do what, do what yeah. comes. I happens as it comes. I'll have to ask Daniel what eventually broke him. <laughs> Cause he, he definitely was <laughs> not, I think he just once, I mean, we're busy, right? Like everybody's yeah. busy. We are very busy. I have two companies. I have two, three kids currently at home. My stepson lives in Boulder, um, but he's with us summers and holidays. So right now I've got a three, five, and 13-year-old at home. You know, we have a friend staying with us for the summer. Like all these moving parts. And I think he saw like the cracks if we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And like the the 15 minutes, again, at a minimum, if all we do is just look at our calendar at a minimum. Yeah. Um, but it's cyclical for sure. And then some, then I'm like, okay, well, for the last two months, we've just looked at our calendar. So we need to get back on the like, yeah, budget conversation or the whatever conversation, the who's calling the tree people, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I am, I guess I am just resilient and persistent and annoying. And I, care. <laughs> <laughs> I and will crawl. Mm-hmm. I'll crawl under the bed though. If you want to talk to me about the budget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, um, 
I just don't want to look. I don't want to know. I don't want to manage. Like we actually bought some patio furniture the other day and I was like, can I just leave and will you come back and buy it? And then just like, don't tell me anything. Cause it's like, if I can just like not think about it, my life feels better. I see. I think, um, I did that with my business very early on for the first maybe year or, or close to a year and then realized like you can't run a business not looking no. at numbers. And so yeah. I think that forced me to get comfortable with that more. I'm more comfortable now with money than I ever have been because you can't not be. If you, you have to know. As a business, yeah. 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 For my business, my, so he, Glenn works in finance and so he sends me just a spreadsheet. You Sometimes it's like every other month. He doesn't hit it every month, but just like, here's what you spent. Here's what you made. Great. Here's where we are for the year. And I'm like, that's all I need to know. Yes. yes. You know, having a good, good bookkeeper accountant person. Like I have the best bookkeeper. She's wonderful. And that is, and we do calls every other week and that forces me, right? Like it's the accountability that forces me because yep. I probably wouldn't look at my numbers that often no. if I didn't no. have a you know, bi-weekly call where we sit down and we do it. And then sometimes it's real cringy and sometimes it's like, okay, not so bad, <laughs> but we do it. So I want to know what your biggest hopes and dreams are for Indie Maven, Maven Space, the, you know, the collaboration. Mm -hmm. And what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? And I put those together because I realized they could be one and the same. It's okay if they're not though. I would like to, to scale to multiple locations, but not outside like the region. Okay. Because I'm part of these awesome networks that exist already. So like um, Luminary um, is a co-working space out of New York. And so they've built this partner network that I'm a, that we're a part of, that Maven Space is oh, a cool. part of. And so there's a map and you can see, and we have reciprocity. So like if you're a member at one of their spaces, you can come to Maven Space for two days. Oh, cool. Um, and vice versa. So you can look at the map and you can go to any of these places in the world um, as a member of one of them. And then we're also, um, we have a partnership with the River. So we offer discounts on memberships with the Riveter, um, which is a women's digital marketplace and space for professional women um, that offer courses and all these things, you know, that are that we don't do. So my my point is there are spaces like this all around the country. There aren't so many in the Midwest, right? Because that's not the place that every, it's not the sexy place, right? Yeah. Um, so to be able to bring, like my whole thing is like, well, if we're the 14th largest city or whatever, we deserve to have nice things too, right? Like, yeah. I think they come a little later to Indianapolis typically. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are a little bit like res reluctant to change here, mm -hmm. but eventually they get on board with it. I mean, not certainly not everybody. There are a lot of really progressive forward-minded people, but um, I think just to be able to have, I would love to be able to like go, you know, just stay sort of, I'm originally from the Detroit area. So I would love to have just a business that keeps me sort of here and near my family there. Um, but no particular like number of locations, just, but, but, but to be able to serve just other populations mm -hmm. like Indianapolis that maybe don't have that access. Um, and then from there, there's nothing like, I would like to write a book one day, um, that's kind of about it professionally. Like I'd be happy if I wrote a book. I'd be happy if I either kept this business in a way that I could step back out of the details and still remain involved. I'd probably be also happy to sell it someday. Um, so, and that's encouraging to see companies like Chief, which is, I don't know if you know, the women's professional network. Um, they are a unicorn. So every, you know, tech dude that told me that I couldn't build a business on 
people can suck it mm. <laughs> which yes, again can. like it was their network and and it was the the data of the women and linkedin and there are all these details and i get that but the point is women are so powerful as consumers and spenders and running households um and i just don't think that we give them enough of anything time resources accolades um platforms voices so that, that to me is like, however I can continue to do that and elevate women in those ways. And I think that'll evolve. Um, but I, outside of that, I don't, I've always like a work backwards, see what I don't like. So I've never been the person that's like really working towards anything, but just mm-hmm. kind of like figuring out what I don't like to do along the way. And then it's sort of like, it's like chipping away at something, right? And then finding what's, what's underneath. And I still yeah, don't know. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, and your answer is also content, right? Like you want more, but like, this is it. Like this, you're doing what you want to be doing. I don't know if we talked before, but uh, like, I, I know I have talked about it. I can't remember if we talked about it, but my mom was sick with cancer, like most of my life. And that experience, just seeing my mom, I just, I feel like I was so fortunate at such a young age to be instilled with understanding like what actually matters in life. And Mm -hmm. I feel lucky to have had that experience and like had her teach me that, that I think that has only been further reinforced um, as, as an entrepreneur and as a parent and all these things. But it gave me a lot of perspective that I feel like I got earlier maybe than I would have had I had not had that experience with my mom. Um, and then I guess just probably a lot of therapy. <laughs> I remember when your mom died because yeah. we weren't friends yet, but I knew you from mm-hmm. like the online world. Mm-hmm. I think I knew you from like writing for Indie Star yeah. or something. We were like, like Twitter wrote friends it, first. I think. Yeah, you wrote an article about it and mm-hmm. that's how I found out. And I think it must have been around the same time my mother-in-law died because uh-huh. was it like six years or something? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because my mother-in-law died. Yeah, six years died. ago this July 26, it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And my mother-in-law died six years ago this September. So wow, yeah, it was. I think it wasn't my mom that yeah. passed, but like I think that reading, and we knew it was coming mm-hmm. with my mother-in-law, so I feel like I felt like really close mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. what you were walking through. Yeah. Uh, walking through that with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that gives you some perspective. And especially yeah. like, so she died when you were an adult, but like you walked through this sounds like for years. Uh, yeah. She was first diagnosed when I was in like third grade wow. with stage four lung cancer. And then later, wow. a couple years later, it was brain cancer. And she was just such a miracle. She lived 25 years after her diagnosis. Isn't that amazing which is just too? Unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. That's like, obviously her life is cut short, but like what what was that's is that do you call that a miracle what do you call that i mean her doctors for sure did i mean that was just like 25 years yeah yeah and especially in 1993 or whatever right. it was totally too, different right? yeah yeah and then and then continued to have health issues like had a hole in her heart and had tias that like many strokes multiples and just like continued to survive with such a such a strong-willed person and just um, such a good role, role model in that sense, you know, but it's hard, like didn't get to meet my kids. I was three months pregnant when she passed away with my first son. Um, so, but again, I don't, I think it was just, it went on so long, but I also think my mom wanted to make sure that I was also like learning the lessons alongside her. Wow. Um, yeah. As the mom now, isn't it like so scary to think like, maybe scary is not the right word, but I think about this, like, 
I'm the strong one now. Like I have to be the strong one now. Like I have to be the teacher now. And I still don't really know what I'm doing. And it just makes you wonder like how much did your parents really feel like that versus like how much were they like, like, did your mom oh, really right. feel no. in control? Yeah, like, you right. know? Yeah. You just looked, I, there were such grown ups. I don't feel like a grown yeah. up. Right. I wonder yeah. if they felt like grown ups. My parents were older parents. My mom was 37 when she, well, I say that. I think I was 30. <laughs> I, don't know. I wasn't that old, but she was 37 when she but, had me. But for our 35. parents' generation, yeah. that is a little yeah. bit older. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So. I definitely had the older parents. Um, I will say, it's funny, I only in the last couple months had this realization that I now have to like parent the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because before it was just like, potty train them, keep them alive, (laughs) make sure they eat. You know, it was like the very Maslow's hierarchy, the basic Uh kind of things. And now I'm Uh like, oh, now we have to talk about like feelings. Yeah. Somebody leaves you out, and, and all the things. How do you know, just like actual what I think of as parenting? I don't feel like I was parenting before. I think I was just keeping people nurturing alive. and keeping people <laughs> alive. And this feels very different. That is a that was a huge eye opener. I don't remember exact moment, but it, there was a week. It was for sure a week where I was like, "Oh, the game is changing." Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it yeah. with you. Yeah. It's. It's totally different. Okay, two more questions. Mm-hmm. What is the best, most recent book you've read? And I know that's like kind of a basic question coming off of like what we were just talking about. It's but. actually a, it's actually a perfect segue from what we were just talking about because it was The Great Alone, and at the um, by Kristen Hanna, and at the back of the book because I'm a nerd and I was reading all the author's notes. She basically said this is a mother daughter love story, and that and it was the week that my mom had like the anniversary of my mom's passing. Um, when I read that and I just, and I never thought of that, my, my relationship with my mom as a love story. Um, but now looking back, I think it, it was a a tumultuous, you know, one over time, but like, it really was in the end, like we ended in a very good place. And so Mm. that, that was excellent. Yeah. And it really hit home. Wow. I didn't even think about that book being like that, but it's so true. I read I read that a couple years ago. Yeah. That's if I wouldn't so have read good. the note, I wouldn't have thought about that. And I'm so glad yeah. I just like I felt like I was like rent, meant to read this little note at the back. It meant a lot yeah. to me. Yeah. It's so true. What is your last message to leave with the audience? It's probably cheesy, but I think my the thing that I year after year keep coming back to for myself and that I see in other people is just we are so much stronger than we think that you are so much stronger than you think and I just feel like that rings truer and truer with every year that I like get older and just I think having more more faith in ourselves than we do especially as women um so I would leave it with that thank you Leslie thank you it was so great to chat with you All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Leslie, for coming on the show. You can learn more about this show and all the podcasts in our network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Check out what Leslie's doing at indymaven.com. Thanks for being here. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?